Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Wrestle Rant Radio here today for Thursday, June 8th, 2023. I am Graham Gius Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. We have the usual Raw and Dynamite talk here today with Mr. Marceau. But before any of that, though, we got an exclusive interview with the NXT champion Carmelo Hayes. This was taped prior to Battleground a couple of weeks ago, but still a great conversation nonetheless. Talking all things Carmelo being NXT champion, his roots in Lowell, Massachusetts, coming up in the independent scene, his role so far as the NXT champion, carrying the brand, and so much more. A great conversation with a longtime friend in Carmelo here on the show today. And then, like I said, the usual talk about Raw, which I was there for on Monday, by the way, in Hartford, uh, Dynamite, and so much more with Mr. Marceau on the back end of the show. New episodes of the show, by the way, available every single week on Thursdays on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. You can rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss a new episode every single Thursday. And by the way, you can go back and check out our interview last week with Kurt Fuller from the Masters of Puppets play, also from No Holds Barred, Ghostbusters 2, Wayne's World. Kurt was great. That conversation was from about a month ago, talking about the play that's actually airing right now, or playing right now, rather, um, here in Brantford CT at the Legacy Theater in Connecticut. Uh, really good play. Talked about it last week, but the play, I, I mentioned it again because this is the last weekend that the play is running. So if you're in the Connecticut area... New York, New Jersey, Philly, Rhode Island, Mass, whatever. Even if you're not in the area, you can fly in and check it out. But it's well worth checking out. It's a great production. I love being there a few weeks ago. And uh, Kurt talks all about it in our interview from last week. And uh, you can check it out for yourself this weekend at the Legacy Theater in Connecticut. With all that being said, enjoy my exclusive interview, folks, with the NXT champion, Carmelo Hayes. Graham Gison Matthews here at BleachReport.com, fanside of DailyDDT.com as well. We're coming up on Sunday's NXT Battleground event, NXT Championship. Headline of the show, the current champion Carmelo Hayes against Braun Breaker. Carmelo, not the first time we chatted, my man. How are you doing? Hey, man. What's up, Graham? I'm great, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Dude, I feel like we're going full circle. I know I just saw you and we spoke last month before you won the NXT Championship like a day later, but like, Let's go full circle here, man. Six, seven years ago, Lowell, Massachusetts. I speak to you, I meet you, talking to Christian Casanova at the time, talking about your pro wrestling injuries for a chaotic wrestling show. And now you're fucking headlining the show for the NXT Championship on NXT. I mean, I know you've spoken a lot about this in recent weeks and interviews, but like how mind-blowing is that for you? Mind-blowing. I was just talking about it earlier. I went to the Lowell uh, NXT show that they had last time, like kind of as a fan. <laughs> and I'm um, saying... Now somebody had mentioned to me, they're like, well, now you're going to main event it. I was like, wow. I remember being so motivated after watching it, not even realizing that that might be my future one day. So it's crazy. So 
if I've got the timeline correct, the time that I'm talking about that I saw you was April 2016. I went back to my research. I'm pretty sure it was April 8, 2016. Two weeks later, NXT was in Lowell Memorial Auditorium, which is when Joe beat Balor for the NXT championship. Was that the show you're referring to, or was it about a year later? Because I know they went back there as well. Oh, it was that one. It was that one where he beat It was that show? Yeah. That's crazy. I was at that show too. Just talking about the memories of just being a fan and not being there now. Again, you were only signed there, man, like a little over two years ago to NXT. Now the NXT champion, and especially for me as a fan. So when you were doing that media junket for Stand and Deliver, you know, a day before the event, before you won the championship, like I said, it was in that press conference that Sean did where he announced they were going to Lowell, Massachusetts. And I'm thinking, you're the first person that comes to mind. And obviously that that weekend, you're headlining for the NXT championship. When you find out about that, I assume you found out before you won the championship. In your mind, are you thinking this is going to be a homecoming? I have to win the title this weekend. Like, what's your what's your thought process when you find out about that? Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about it till I got done with uh, everything in LA. I heard about it, and it was mentioned, and 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 that's wrestling, man. You really don't. You kind of just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll believe it when I see it, or I'll believe it when it's actually. I think when Sean did the interview and he. That that's when I was like, oh shoot, we're really doing it. Because you heard rumblings, you know, hey, we're gonna go to Lowell, and I'm like, yeah, okay, that'd be too good, that'd be too freaky to be true. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't really believe it until you guys did with Sean or whoever did with Sean. He's like, yeah, we're going to Lowell. It's like, oh crap, let me get, <laughs> and then I can start looking forward to Lowell. So yeah, yeah. well, it's gonna be in the the Tonga Center specifically, which is a good arena. I know uh, many different promotions have been there. NXT is very familiar with the Memorial Auditorium, which is where this yeah. event is unfortunately not going to be. Have you wrestled oh. slash been to the Tonga Center at all or now? No, I've never been to the Tonga Center. Uh, I've, I've wrestled, actually worked one time in the Memorial Auditorium, man. Nice, nice. Yeah, well, that's going to be a you know a big event as well with coming up in this arena. A lot of history in that arena specifically. Any friends, family, stuff like that going to be in attendance? I would have to imagine so, being the champion and all. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, and, and and a lot of people that uh, came up watching me or or saw me come up in that area, I know, are, are really excited to see me back. Um, so it's kind of like I built a, a pretty solid fan base over there that you know kind of stayed loyal and are excited to see you know the the kid that they saw grow up in front of their eyes and now you know coming home with the championship and for nxt wwe and, and it's a big deal for a lot of people including myself of course yeah no of course i'm sure and i mean just going into this weekend as the champion when was the last time you would have wrestled in mass because i don't know if nxt's done a show there since you've signed and before that would have been COVID. so it's probably been three or four years right yeah, so we were doing tapings and stuff uh, during, like, right on the back end of COVID. Like, honestly, probably up until, like, weeks and prior from to me getting signed. Wow. Uh, but in front of a crowd, like, an actual crowd was, like, maybe 20 minutes in Lawrence, like, 20 minutes from Lowell. It was, like, the day or two before the world shut down. Uh, mm-hmm. So, probably the last time I was in Mass, yeah. Wow. That's crazy, man. That's like four years ago, which is wild. It's like before COVID, after COVID, completely different world, especially with wrestling as well. But uh, super cool to see. But just talking about in the last month, just being the champion and, and any differences that you felt between just where you were in the card before. And again, you were the NXT North American champion for so long. So you're not you're not a stranger to being a champion in WWE, just being a champion in general. Do you feel any extra pressure being the NXT champion, being the face of the NXT brand? Or is it just business as usual? 
No, I, I, I do feel like, and it's not that anyone's putting extra pressure on me. I'm putting extra pressure on me. Um, I carried my, myself like I was the NXT champ when I was the North American champ. That's the thing. So I kind of almost like put on the pants that I was looking to wear down the road anyway. So it's like it they fit. You know what I mean? These pants fit now. Um, it's just now I understand that it's more eyes on me. There's more people questioning if I, I deserve to be the champion. There's more people questioning. You know, there's there's those kind of things that, you know, because when you're, you know, the North American champion, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good little stepping stone champion. And I'm sure Braun had to face the same sort of criticism where, oh, is he worthy of being NXT champion? And, and I think that's a question that gets asked a lot of times uh, when you get a new champion any new champion especially at like the champion so that's kind of the pressure i put on myself to make sure that i prove that i deserve to be the nxt champion and that i can carry the nxt champion and all the all the prestige and all the pressure and all the responsibility that comes with it yeah i mean just kind of going off of that when you win the championship is there behind the scenes backstage for you like an automatic uh, assumption, I guess, might be the right word, that you just automatically become either the or a locker room leader if that wasn't a role that you already had? Like, where is your standing as far as that goes? Especially since compared to the when you first signed an NXT two years ago, the roster was so different. Either people leave the company or they get called up, whatever it might be. Cameron Grimes, I think, was like one of the last long-standing people on that roster on NXT before he just got called up recently. So there's really not a lot of people, if anyone really, from the old guard now on the brand where does that kind of put you in the pecking order as far as that sort of stuff goes? Right at the top, right at the top. And that's fine because I, I, I I'm taking that with a lot of grace and a lot. I like, I, I take that responsibility. I don't take it lightly, but I take that very serious because, you know, I love to give back. That's one of the things I've been doing here. I'm just giving back to the newer talent because, you know, there's, I look at, you know, when you're the champion, they, for whatever reason, at least, you know, that's how they viewed you. You're almost untouchable. And they're almost, you know, they can't. You're just in your own little world, in your own bubble. But I refuse to be that type of champion. I'm talking about behind the scenes. I refuse to be that. Like, I, I want to be the type of champion, or I am the type of champion, where it's like, hey, I'll get in the ring with you guys. At, for, you know, I'm at I'm at the performance center all day long. You know what I mean? I'm in the ring with brand new people. I'm in the ring with anyone. Anyone who wants to work on something, I'm in the ring. The champion's in the ring. Uh, Norman Smiley pulled me aside and he said, man, Mel, I just want to say, um, he's like, the fact that you come to these like open rings, these extra rings and you work with these guys, he's like down the road, they're never going to forget that. He's like, that's awesome. Like, don't lose that. Be You continue to be that leader, continue to be that champion. And, and I took that, you know, to the heart and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it's bigger than me. Being the champion is not just holding the championship. It's like you said, man, it's, it's being the locker room leader. It's being somebody that, you know, man, he, he doesn't have to, but he does, you, you yeah. know what I mean? And that sets kind of the tone for when I leave as to when, well, Melo was out here helping everybody and he was the champion. So why aren't we working that hard? Exactly. Taking that extra step, going that extra mile. And we've seen yeah. that in just all the talent you work with, whether they're, you know, ultra experienced or not, whether they come from the, from the independent scene or not in the last couple of years, you've spent in NXT and going to those open rings and stuff that you mentioned. Is there anyone from like, I say the new crop of talent, it could really be anyone from the last year that you see big things in their future as far as someone either that comes from, again, the independent scene or another promotion, like a Dragon Leaf, for example, or just someone that is brand new to the scene, like a Tank Ledger, someone like that who has, in my opinion, loads of potential, someone like that, I guess. Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could go up top and you can go with the Dragon Leafs, you know, amazing talent. Obviously, you know, I'm Dar, that series, amazing talent. Um, You know, all of these guys, uh, Dragon Ob, Dijak, uh, you 
Nathan Fraser, Axiom. Um, I can name like 10 great, great talents. Um, as far as like new up and comers, like, uh, yeah, Tank is great. Hank Walker, um, Tavion Heights, uh, Oro Mensa. Um, uh, and, and I hate that I'm probably forgetting people, even Charlie, guys like, you know what I mean? There's so many studs. And even with the girls, you know, Tiffany Stratton's killing it. Roxanne is so consistent. She's amazing. Uh, Cora, you know, there's Lyra. I mean, shoot, I'm not even just naming everybody. Who's just, who's, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's so many great, great talent that are out there right now cooking. Um, and, and I love that I get to be a part of helping a lot of these guys and girls um, at the Performance Center. You know, when I leave, you know, leave that place a better place. You know what's crazy? Until you mentioned, I totally forgot. But that same show that you were working, that chaotic show where I met you for the first time, Dijak was on that show as well as Dijak. And now he's, yeah, he was on that show as well. Him and Flip Gordon both. Isn't that wild? Really? Yeah. I don't know. I think he faced, wow. um, pretty sure he faced Brian Malonis, but I could be wrong about that. Another Northeast, you know, wrestling legend, of course. Wow. On NXT? N this was. No, this was uh, not the NXT show. It was this, the, the chaotic show that you were on in Lowell. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. And now he's yes, going to be on the yes, NXT yes, show yes, as yes. well. With, yeah, uh, what did I? Uh, what What did you do on that show? You said. Hijack. Yeah, I don't no, remember. Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think of the opponent you had on that show. I was trying to think through it. I'm not sure. I forgot. I think the hijack faced Malonis, but I'm not sure. But. Again, I look at the card for this Sunday, and Dijak's on the show, too, in Lowell against Dragunov. Last man standing match. Is that a match you want to run back at some point? I don't think you guys have had a match in NXT yet, right? You and Dijak? Bro, Dijak the very first person. Yeah, Dijak was the very first person I ever locked up with. So when I did the uh, one-day fantasy camp that the uh, New England Pro Wrestling Academy has, um, I remember we do, like, you learn how to lock up, you learn how to bump, you learn how to do all that stuff. I remember... Um, Finally getting my turn to get in the ring and learn how to do a lockup. And it was with Dijak. And he was still pretty new there. And we did a lockup. And I remember on the on the apron after, I'm like, oh, how was it? You know, was it okay? Anything I can do differently? And he just kind of like was like, it was fine. And then just like <laughs> shoot me off. And I'm like, dude, that's <laughs> For the longest time. So it's just so funny. We, we joke about it now. But it's just so funny, like where we are now and how we're back pretty much together. And it's just... And, and when I had my first match, like, Dijak's been, like, actually kind of a pivotal part of my career in a weird way. Uh, when I had my very first match, uh, him and I went down to do a seminar at the Wild Simones in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. And that's where they gave me my first match. And it was, uh, Dijak was a part of that. And then I had one of my, you know, one of my best matches in Chaotic against Dijak. Um, you know, so he's actually been kind of like a pivotal. So I'd love, love, love to run it back against him, especially now being more experienced and more skilled. For sure. Especially over the NXT championship. I feel like that'd be a, a money match at some point. And again, the, given the history that you guys have in Lowell at some point, just to see you guys on the grand stage is super cool. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, your respective matches on the show. And as we wind down here, just talking about the match as well, you and Breaker, what's different from this match in the first match, obviously it's standing deliver kind of a role reversal. You embrace the audience more, which we were already seeing prior to that event. Breaker kind of going full on bad guy going into this match. How are you kind of taking to that role? I mean, you've always been super, super likable, but you're not really turning the audience against you as much as you were. So kind of talk about that transition a little bit. Yeah, it, it's, I don't want to say it's been a challenge, but it's definitely a different 
uh, route. You know what I mean? Because it, it's so it's so easy to just be like, ah, I don't care what you guys think. And, you know, they love that sometimes. You know what I mean? It's almost like works against you. Um, so now it's a little bit more open, opening and inviting. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know what? It's us. It's not me against y'all. It's not, you know, it's it's all of us against Broad. And um, that's kind of the way I'm approaching this whole type of situation here. But uh, I mean, I'm trying to stay as true to myself as possible. Uh, I, I that was my pretty much what got me, I guess, favorited by being, you know, kind of just me. And I wasn't really pandering, and I wasn't really, you know, dissing the fans. I was kind of just doing me, you know. And that's kind of what I wanted to continue. But I understand it's different when you're kind of having to uh, uh, be a little bit more. I guess appealing to the the greater audience, so you can't you know you can't go crazy like I, I'd like to, but I'm having a good time. That's cool, man. No, that's the key. Kind of just staying consistent with what you were doing before, but just kind of positioning yeah. it against other bad guys. So you're not like out there and completely changing the character, kissing babies type thing. Like you're just still Carmelo Hayes, except, you know, you're taking on the bad guys instead, which is a cool approach to take. But, you know, you mentioned that of the talent you mentioned earlier, yourself, Tiffany, Roxanne, Braun, among many others. And I feel like for me personally, not just because I'm biased because I'm a big fan of yours, but being there's a lot of talk of like four pillars and all these different promotions for NXT, obviously being the champion, you would be on that list as one of the four pillars, even probably before he became NXT champion for you again, not to single anyone out, but in your opinion, who else would you put in that category in your mind currently on the NXT roster, the four pillars of the NXT brand, male, female, it could be a combination of both. Uh, currently, like I would have put before, I would have put easily, uh, Braun, myself, uh, Tony D'Angelo, Grayson Waller, um, that whole war games team, because that was the team that ushered in the new era. You know what I mean? That the, we were the four guys and it was a real legitimate conversation. Like we were the four guys that they were like, Hey, we're going to run with you guys. Like, you know, please like, don't, don't let us down because <laughs> we didn't have anybody. Oh, geez. They were all, you know, that War Games match was the end of an era. Um, but now I'd say myself, Braun, and then I'll throw in two women, um, Tiffany, Roxanne. And, there's, and it's so interchangeable, too, because, like, you know, there there's not, like, one more than the other. You know, it, there's a lot. There's more of us now. Um, than there was then, but and I'm I'm forgetting women from before even too, but um, yeah, it's it's interchangeable. It depends, you know. Last question for you, Carmelo. Favorite match that you've seen in Lowell, Mass, either as a fan, being the business, whatever. Obviously, ahead of this coming weekend show in Lowell, it had to be the Joe and uh, Finn Balor match. I remember being on the edge of my seat. I remember being in the business and still like freaking out watching it like whoa and that's how you know it's a good match if you can you know what i mean you can put you know what's going on they're like whoa and then the the whole finish and everything i just remember leaving that event like wow that was freaking cool man those guys are all yes probably that match yeah still stands out seven years later man and again like i said a week before that just seeing you in lol at that chaotic wrestling show seven years later headlining for the nxt championship it's literally a dream come true i'm gonna be there at that event coming up this cool. week and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you man this is again full circle and i super appreciate you taking the time tonight man appreciate you always graham thanks man appreciate you, carmelo best of luck and congrats on all the success i'll catch up with you soon thank you big thanks to carmelo for the time like i said we recorded it prior to the battleground show in late may just a couple of weeks ago which was a great show by the way a really good match in the main event between himself and braun breaker 
Um, so check that out when you get a chance. The show itself, that is, I was there for that show, like I mentioned in our interview, and Carmelo's just awesome. Super happy to see him killing it right now in NXT. But now let's start to my conversation with Mr. Marceau, breaking down Raw from this past week, which I was there for. Dynamite uh, from Wednesday night, an eventful episode. The uh, main event of Collision announced, and uh, a WWE Hall of Famer passing away on Wednesday afternoon in the Iron Cheek. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? Doing good as always. How about you? Doing excellent. Like I said, uh, I'm satisfied coming off the week of wrestling that we've had. I was there for Raw on Monday in Hartford. Had a great time. Uh, we, it seems like we have a very eventful summer ahead with AEW Collision premiering next weekend with CM Punk on the billing. He's going to be teaming up with FTR against Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Samoa Joe announced on Dynamite last night. Uh, like I said, Raw was quite good. We've got more names announced for the men's and women's Money in the Bank ladder matches. More Bloodline Dissension, we, we, which we will touch upon as well. Um, but like I said before, all of that, do got to mention this. As of yesterday, announced yesterday, the news broke. He passed away. The Iron Sheik no longer with us at the age of 81 passing away. Um... Very big loss. I mean, the guy was 81, and so he's lived a very long life, but still definitely a surprising um, loss for the wrestling world. He's been around forever, and you see the tweets all the time, fuck Hulk Hogan, all this other sort of shit. Saw a lot of people talking about that yesterday, but uh, a lot of fond memories, not for me specifically, not having grown up. I know you're in the same boat, not having grown up on the Iron Cheek, but um, still an iconic name in the industry, former WWE champion, one of the biggest and, and arguably best heels in wrestling history, did a lot of big business for WWE, he's made a lot of appearances over the years, uh, you know, he was a name in pop culture, a lot of non-wrestling fans knowing who the Iron Sheik is as well, or was as well, so, um, thoughts on the passing of the Iron Sheik and the, um, the latest loss to the wrestling world? Yeah, it's crazy, I mean, I feel like lately I thought I heard that he was in some pretty bad health, but, yeah, like you said, probably, like, one of, if not the most, like, known heel, like, in the golden era of WWE, so, I mean, definitely didn't seem growing up, but, I mean, I think everyone knows, like, who the Iron Sheik is at some point, like, with his match with Hogan, Backlund, like, he was pretty big in the in the 70s, 80s. Yeah, pretty crazy that we've lost two former major heel WWE champions in the last two weeks. We only just talked about superstar Billy Graham, I think, probably two or three weeks ago. He passed away just recently as well. Now the Iron Sheik, so um, rest in peace, Iron Sheik. He will be missed, and I'm looking forward to the video package. They will very likely put up for him on SmackDown coming up on Friday, probably replay on Raw coming up on Monday. Speaking of Raw, though, I thought it was a very good show, and again, I'm biased because I was there, but I heard from you. I saw a lot of people on social media saying the same thing. One of the better Raws, honestly, in recent memory. Um, honestly, just being there, I can tell you, because you watch the show every week, and it's honestly for me, and maybe I'm just a fucking idiot, it's hard for me to decipher what is real and what is not real with these crowd reactions. So as we go through the show here, I could tell you what was legit and what was not. I could tell you the reaction for Rollins, the reaction for Dominic Mysterio, people like that were all very legit. They were all very, very over. And the reactions to some of the matches as well, which we got a lot of good matches on Monday. Uh, but a number of Money the Bank qualifiers as well. Um, multiple names announced, as I mentioned earlier, for the men's and women's Money in the Bank ladder matches. More names to be determined on SmackDown this coming week. And we have one more name that has yet to be revealed or announced as of uh, on the Raw side for the men that we will hopefully find out this coming Monday on Raw. But as it stands right now, we talked about it last week, but Ricochet and Shinsuke Nakamura are in the men's. LA Knight qualifying for the men last Friday on SmackDown. Coming up on SmackDown this week, I'm pretty sure I got the matches mixed up. I'm pretty sure it's Baron Corbin and Butch in one qualifier. And then 
Mustafa Ali and Santos Escobar. And Corbin and Ali, yes, are free agents. Yes, they've been appearing on NXT the last couple of weeks. So I'm pretty confident in saying they're not going to win. Escobar and Butch feel like two um, easy people to be in that match. Which would bring us, because I forgot about this when we were talking before we hit record here. That would make for four babyfaces in that match. LA Knight is practically a babyface, even though he's not technically. He's a heel. He gets treated like a babyface. And then you have one more spot open that I would have to assume is going to Bronson Reed. Uh, so before we get to the women's lineup for the Money in the Bank ladder match, talk to me about the men's and if you have any updated picks. I mean, I am cautiously, optimistically picking LA Knight. I- I'm going to sound like an idiot and have egg in my face when it's like Nakamura winning, but I, I like Nakamura, but I'm good. I think it's got to be LA Knight. I know you would agree as well. Yeah, based on who is announced so far, I feel like it should be LA Knight. I mean... Ricochet, no thank you. Nakamura, no. I mean, I know they're pushing him lately, but kind of out on that. Um, I mean, Butch, no. Santos Escobar, no. Either Mustafa Ali or Barrett Corbin, no. We don't really know who the six guys. Like I said, maybe Bronson Reed. I've seen people say Riddle. I mean, I think if even if it is Riddle, I feel like like Imperium could screw him and he'd lose anyway. So probably Bronson Reed. Besides, but. I just feel like he already lost, so why would you put him in at that point? So, I feel like LA Knight's the only one that really makes sense right now. I guess we'll wait to see who the sixth person is, but just looking at it right now, I think it should be him by like a landslide. The thing with Riddle that I don't understand, and we already talked about this, I think, last week, or at least mentioned it before we hit record, that he teased a week or two ago winning Money in the Bank and cashing in on Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. That is obviously the direction they're headed in with not him winning Money in the Bank, but him challenging for that championship. He attacked Giovanni Vinci backstage on the show this week. That match, it's more a matter of when and not if it's going to happen. I don't really see why they waste the time because he's not going to win the briefcase. And having him win only to cash in for the second straight year for the men's winner on a fucking Midgard title, and that championship is... Listen, it's a prestigious championship at this point. It's still very dumb, especially now that we have an active world champion. You can't use the excuse, oh, Roman Reigns ain't around, he's unbeatable. You can't use that excuse anymore. I I feel like that'd be very stupid. Um, They might put Riddle in there, have Gunther and Imperium cost him the win, and they set up the match for SummerSlam. I would just... Honestly, I would just do the match at Money in the Bank. I think Gunther not being at Money in the Bank in London would be a crime. I would just put him on the show against Riddle. Gunter wins. You could do a rematch at SummerSlam, but I would have Gunter win that as well. Um, I think Bronson Reed just makes the most sense, but I feel like it's got to be LA Knight. I mean, are you in the same boat as far as you're hearing these reactions and you're kind of surprised they're not capitalizing on this guy by now? I mean, we'll see. I think if I think capitalization would really depend on if he wins Money in the Bank. I mean, if I think him winning was definitely a, a definitely a good start to make into the match, but I mean, if he wins i guess i would say from there they're definitely capitalizing on his popularity but i mean besides him all these other people just kind of like i said we've kind of stayed they're just there like they're good but like if you're going based on potential crowd reaction he's like leaps and bounds ahead of all these other people and none of this mid-card crap either where he cashes in on the united states champion like you know austin theory or whatever i mean i know roman reigns his championship is kind of in a holding pattern right now very likely until WrestleMania next year. The Bloodline stuff is going on right now. They'll probably do Roman and Cody at WrestleMania next year. I mean, hey, maybe he drops it before then. I'm not saying that he will drop it to Cody. I just, that was the route I've expected them to take since, like, he lost to Cody, since he beat Cody, rather, at Mania a couple of months ago. Um, I, I, I know he's not going to cash in on Roman Reigns and win, 
But I mean, listen, you have an entire year to cash in and they haven't done that yet where someone holds on to the briefcase for like a full year. And I would like to see that honestly with LA Knight. I feel like that'd be a unique approach to take. For the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, we have Zoe Star qualified as a Monday's Raw, Becky Lynch in there, Zelina Vega as a SmackDown last week. Uh, coming up on SmackDown this coming week. Wait, is there one more? Is there one more person from Raw that hasn't qualified yet? I think so. I think there might be one spot open. Yeah, I'm I, looking at it now. It says Vega, Lynch, Stark, and then Bailey versus Meechan and Io Sky versus Shotzi. So that'd be five. Okay, yeah. So there is one spot open on the Raw side. For some reason, I thought that stage was set. I, I guess not. I'm not sure who that person would be. Um, but yeah, Bailey versus Meechan on Friday, an easy win for Bailey. And um, Shotzi and EO, I mean, what are we doing here? Just give the win to EO Sky. Again, same thing. I look at that lineup, and we still have to see who's going to be there from the who's going to be in there from the Raw brand. That third person. I just look at this as an easy win for EO Sky. Becky, I know you're a big Becky fan, as am I. I just don't think she should win. Bailey, been there, done that. Um, you know, Zoe, I like, but she's not quite ready yet. Zelina, probably not. I feel like this should be where they capitalize on EO Sky and start to push her toward that top title picture. I agree. Um, I guess the only thing like. It is. I feel like it is the obvious choice, and I feel like it's the right one. But I feel like they also kind of like. I feel like. I feel like I've said this before too. With her, it's like I feel like she's already like not in line, but like she could easily get a title shot against Oscar Smith on anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't think she technically needs it. I mean, I think she. I think she should win it. But like, I feel like someone like Starks, like you said, she's technically not ready or shouldn't like win the belt right now. But her with a briefcase, like kind of like gain some momentum and it's mm-hmm. not like she's gonna be challenging for a belt anytime soon so i think eo makes the most sense i want her to win but like i wouldn't hate like if someone like a starks like definitely on the up and coming would win it just because like it kind of like make them seem bigger or like have like i don't know i don't know how to describe it but like i feel like i've always said for the money in the bank like i think people that win it should be people that like have no chance to, like yep get a title shot like in their current form. Yeah, and EO already got a title shot a couple of months ago. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I would... I mean, like, I'm, like Carmella won, like, she was not, like, mm-hmm. ever, like, in contention of winning a briefcase, like, a match, or, like, those kind of people. Like, Becky winning, like, yeah, Becky, if Becky won, I'd go crazy because I love Becky, but, like, does she need to win Money in the Bank? Besides, like, putting on her resume, no. Mm-hmm. No, like, unless I it makes sense... I see putting her winning just for that, being like, oh, I won Money in the Bank, like, yeah. but you'll need it. No, but if it makes sense storyline-wise, I'd be fine with it, but I I don't really... I mean, she can face Rhea at SummerSlam without winning the briefcase. I mean, I know she hasn't been in the title picture for a while. As Becky, she's been feuding with Damage Control and now Trish and whatever, so she's been out of the title picture since SummerSlam of last year, which is almost a year, which is good. At the same time, though, she needed the break from the top title picture, um, and she's been doing stuff since then. They've did a, They've done a good job of keeping her busy. But I still think her and Rhea as a SummerSlam attraction does not need the briefcase involved. I feel like that that would be a waste. Um, EO is more understandable because she's only had one major championship opportunity on the main roster. You can give it to her and then Bailey grows jealous. I mean, it goes one of two ways. Either EO wins and Bailey gets jealous of her and that's what leads to the split. And you could do that match. I mean, whoever wins also does not and should not cash in immediately anyway. We've seen that far too often especially with the women. The women have not held the briefcase for more than 24 hours in, like, I think since since the first one, since Carmella, actually, five or six years ago, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but Bailey can either, you know, turn on EO because she's jealous, or Bailey costs her the match, 
And that leads into a match at SummerSlam between the two. Either way, that's the direction they're going in there, especially with Dakota Kai being gone. But, um... Yeah, I mean, I also feel like you... I mean, I don't love this idea, but you could theoretically have Becky win and then, like, SummerSlam do her and Trish for the briefcase. I mean, I don't love it, but I could see it. I mean, it's possible. I would... I, I do like the idea. I don't hate the idea at all of Zoe Stark winning it. And, like... You know, I said she's not ready, but you do make a good point, and like I kind of referred to and alluded to, you don't have to cash it in, and she probably, she shouldn't cash in anytime soon. She can hold on to it for five, six, seven months and cash in early next year, later this year, when she is more ready, when she is more over, after the whole Becky-Trish thing, so. Yeah, and I feel like you could also, like, if she won it, like, you could maybe have Trish cost Becky the win, so then you do Becky versus Zoe. This is a perfect example. Then you could do Becky versus Zoe, for the briefcase, because Becky could bitch and be like, oh, I didn't get a fair shake. Trish screws her again, so Zoe gets another gets a win on Becky, mm-hmm. and then that leads into Trish and Becky again. So, I, I mean, I think Io should win, but, like, I wouldn't hate if Stark won. Yeah, no, I, I could see a situation where that plays out like that. I could totally see that. Who um, do you think the sixth person's going to be? Yeah, honestly, just the, the fact that I even forgot about that is, is, is funny, but thinking of the Raw roster now... They'll probably have a last chance qualifier. It should not be Chelsea or Sonya. I mean, honestly, of the two, Chelsea would be a better fit, but we know she's not winning, so why even bother? Chelsea wouldn't be the worst pick because she's been entertaining since coming back, I think. Piper Niven, I like a lot, but and she would actually she'd provide a different dynamic to the match, is like the powerhouse of the match than anyone else currently in there. She just hasn't been on TV in a long time, so I'm not really sure if they would bring her back just to put her in the match. Like, I'm thinking of people that are actively on the show. And as we've said before, there's no one on the Raw roster that really feels overly over right now for the women, um, aside from the obvious people like, you know, Becky and people like that. You know, Candice, I saw that they gave a video package to on Raw last week. You know, she's not going to win, but like, I mean, I guess. They haven't really, she's not at a point yet where I feel like she's ready for that. Is there any name that stands out to you? Nah, I mean, I was going to say Chelsea Green, but you kind of poo-pooed that, but... I mean, I don't poo-pooed. I mean, it's fine, but, like, I mean, I'm just thinking, honestly, Chelsea might be the best of the bunch, and, I mean, just because she's at least entertaining from a character standpoint lately. I'm looking at the Raw roster. This is kind of... I mean, they have a lot of fucking women on Raw. A lot of women. Uh, Ronda and Shayna are not in it. They're the new tag team champions. What about, um... Liv would, you know, Liv won it last year. She's hurt, though. What about Raquel Rodriguez? She just failed to become women's tag team champion. She's on her own. Shotzi's on SmackDown, so I don't see that team continuing, nor should it. I mean, that would make sense. I mean, I would, I'd rather have Raquel in there. I don't know. Was she in it last year? I think she was. Yeah, because I thought she would win last year, then she didn't. Um, I would honestly put Raquel in there over, like, Nikki Cross. Like, okay, what are we doing here? I know she's won it before, but eh, I just don't care. I mean, don't even get me started on someone like Tegan Knox. You know I love Tegan, but she's been like fucking buried seven feet under. I mean, it's not even really worth it at this point. Um, Indy's still hurt, I think. Emma's never on the show. Dana Brooke, give me a break. Uh, it, it, it's it's probably got to be either Chelsea Green or Raquel, right? I mean, that, those are the only yeah, two I mean, obvious yeah, choices. Yeah, that's the only ones that really make sense. I mean, I haven't seen Raquel on TV in a, since she lost that tag match. But, yeah, I think it would be either her or Chelsea, honestly. Yeah, she wasn't in Raw this week, but she, you know, she was in that tag team title match with the other teams last week when Ronda and Shayna won the belt. So she's at least been on TV, and uh, you know, I don't know if she would win. I don't think she should win, but you know, she's not a terrible choice either. I'd rather have Raquel win over someone like a Becky Lynch or a Bailey, who've again 
like you said, aside from just putting it on their resume, what point does that really serve? So those are the updated lineups and what we expect to be the filled out lineups for the men's and women's Money in the Bank ladder matches. Um, they're bound to add more matches to the card in the coming weeks. The pay-per-view's not until July 1st. They got plenty of time. Um, but speaking of that pay-per-view, though, we might now know the main event for that show. And it looks like we also might get Rollins and Balor. We'll talk about that soon enough. The real main event of that show, and what will, ver- will very likely close the show, again, not a title match and not a Money in the Bank ladder match, Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa versus The Usos. Now, I fucking hate that the belts, or belts, we'll get to that in a second, too, will not be on the line. That being said, though, the angle they did on SmackDown last week, I know you were as big of a fan, if not a bigger fan of it, than even I was, and I thought it was a great angle. Uh, Jimmy, you know, solo siding with his brothers, and then he turns on Jimmy with the Samoan spike. They walk off, and Paul asks, you know, what about Jay? What do you think he's going to do? And Roman's like, well, he's going to fall in line as he always does, which was such a great fucking line, delivery, everything. Like, the little lines that he delivers to the camera Roman does that the live crowd can't hear are just pure perfection. Um, but your thoughts on the latest bloodline drama heading into Money in the Bank? Oh my God. SmackDown was like literally the, gr- I mean the, the, the viewership just showed around. I think they said they pulled over 3 million people for that one segment. They I mean, did or close to it. Yeah. Close to it regardless. I mean, it was absolute money. And mm-hmm. like when Solo turned, you're like, uh Oh, and then he obviously hit J- Jimmy with the spike. But like you said, I think the ending with, with Heyman asking Roman, like, what about Jay? And he's like, don't worry, he'll fall in line like he always does. Like, that just gives me chills because I can only, I can see, like, the betrayal. Jay just kicking him or, like, turning on Roman and the police will, like, throw the baby. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I I hope we, I honestly, at this point, I hope, like, we get Jimmy and Roman at Money in the Bank and that's where we get, like, the Jay turn. Um, it might not lead to Jimmy winning, but at least we get the turn there, and then that kind of that splits into SummerSlam. I don't really want to see a tag match here because I want to see Roman at least defend the belt. But I mean, I guess we'll see what happens tomorrow night because Heyman's on Raw that he's got to make a decision tomorrow. Yeah, I, I love that he said that on Raw this week. Considering that when they say that, it never actually means that he's going to make. I actually forgot about that because I just knew as soon as I heard it, I kind of disregarded it because I know he's not going to make the choice. I mean, Jay's supposed to make a choice like six months ago and he still hasn't made a choice. He sides with these people and then that person. I I don't think he's making a choice. I think he might team with Jimmy out of solidarity, but not actually turn on Roman until money in the bank. Do you think that we're getting Roman and Jay at SummerSlam? I mean, Jimmy and Roman seems to make the most sense to me as far as the match that we would get first. I mean, I would prefer to see that personally. I mean, I would honestly... Listen, the tag team match I love, I would even do that on SmackDown. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I would do Roman and Jimmy at the pay-per-view and then do Roman and Jay at SummerSlam. The only thing I don't like about this is that I don't think, nor do I think they should, the Usos will win the championship. And Jay will lose again. I feel like it's a double-edged sword. I know you wouldn't be opposed to what we've talked about it before. Maybe your thoughts have changed. I don't think Jimmy, especially Jimmy, but not Jay either, should be the one to beat Roman for that title. And I know it would be an amazing moment. The, the, the story would be full circle. But this is why I wanted Cody to win at WrestleMania, because Cody, if he takes the championship out of the equation, then Jay can beat Roman without becoming champion. And I feel like that would have been equally as satisfying, but we're kind of past that point now. So where, where do you think this is headed as far as how you see this playing out? Yeah, I mean, it's 
tough. I mean, it really it, it's tough because, like I said, I I mean, I don't think Jimmy could beat Roman. I think Jay storyline wise makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I mean, I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, but like, I don't know. Like, maybe we could do like a, a fuck finish and Jay, Jay wins somehow, and then Roman gets the. I don't fucking know. But I just think, like you said, if they're gonna build it up, I mean, I feel like one of them should. The way the story's told, that one of them should beat him. Um, specifically Jay, if anyone, but I don't know. I just, I just don't see it happening at this point. I mean, everyone keeps saying, oh, WrestleMania next year. So like I said, maybe they do like something like Jay wins, but like Roman has foot on the rope. They didn't see it. Jay has the belt for like a week and then they just be like, oh, actually they overturn. Oh no, something. Cause I feel like if you beat Jay clean again, it's like, this guy's just a fucking loser at that point. Exactly. Like, and like, they've really, I mean, yeah, they had like this long title reign, like, but like I said to you before, like, it just... They were good as a tag team, but, like, they just were, like, basically Roman's lackeys for everyone, and they just get their ass beat at every turn. Like, Owens would beat their ass, Drew. Like, they eventually, like, get some solidarity or win something. So, if Jimmy loses, fine, because I feel like Jimmy, even though they're twins and they've been tag team, like, Jay obviously had that little breakout as a a singles guy and, like, had some success. Jimmy's been strictly just a tag team guy, honestly. Mm -hmm. But Jay's, like, character development and in-ring action, I mean... It makes the most sense. If you're going to actually... T- I know Triple H said there's no endings, a chapter turns, whatever, but like, <laughs> yeah. at the cl- you got to close the book. The final chapter should be Jay beating Roman. Yeah, I mean, I just think it should happen after he loses the title, but the problem is that's probably not happening until SummerSlam, and again, it would be for the belt. I just think there's a big difference, and I'm not saying Jay doesn't work as a singles. You said they've always been a tag team. They're a great tag team. I agree. You don't have to break them up. I do think Jay honestly does have a title run in him. I don't think he has a world title run in him is the thing. I think there's a big difference between being a breakout singles guy, which he has been and can be, and then being the fucking world champion. And then also being the one to beat Roman Reigns, who has beaten everyone on the roster, including people that don't even work here anymore. I mean, I've just always said, like, I have all these boxes, like, all right, whoever beats Roman, it's got to be... This it's got to make sense. The time's got to be right. It's got to be like the right program, good program. The person's got to benefit. It should be someone that hasn't been champion before, ideally, and someone to me that will be a made man because Roman's been the guy in this company and hasn't been pinned in almost four years. The problem, the one box that it makes sense storyline wise, but the one box that I don't see checked with Jay Uso, they're not making a new star. I know it's not always about making a new star. Cody Rhodes was already over. I get it. But they would have made him into a main event made guy if he won that belt. And he still will at some point. I get it. But with Jay, I don't see him at that level, though. I just see it being like a Kofi-esque run. And I get it. It's wrestling. It's WWE. I'm all about the moments. Kofi Mania was great. Were they going to make a... I mean, Kofi could have been more than what he was after that run was over. That's another conversation for another time. I just don't see Jay getting an extended run as champion. I see him winning the belt and then quickly losing it. Which, to me, would be a fucking waste. I just feel like whoever beats Roman for it should hold it. Not for a thousand days. But I feel like they should be champion for a little longer than that. Like, having Jay win and then what? LA Knight cashes in, then we have another heel champion again? Like, and I love LA Knight, but I don't know. I just feel like I'm really protective of this thing. I mean, it's not even my thing, but like the storyline, I just really want to see it played out correctly. You can't waste this shit. Like, you have one chance to get this right. And they've passed up on so many other opportunities with Drew, with Sammy, with Cody. Jay makes sense. It's better than fucking like Brock or Goldberg doing it or something. I just, I don't know, man. I'm still not sold on that yet. Maybe they change my mind though. Maybe they change my mind in the coming month 
and I'll send it. I don't think he'll beat him clean, but I feel like there is something they could do. Like, oh, he beats Roman, yada yada yada, leaves with a belt, and then it comes out after the fact, like, oh, Roman had his foot on the rope, like a dusty finish type thing. Or like they could do something like he beats him, but like Jimmy takes out Solo, so then Roman doesn't have it when he loses. Da da da. da. Like I said, same kind of format, and then they face off again, and 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 Roman beats him. I don't know. I just feel like if they lose again, they just like. Like I said, he's just a loser, and I feel like even if he wins and they take it away, at least it's like, hey, he yeah, and on yeah. theory beat, in theory beat Roman, and then it's like you said, like I don't think he's ever gonna be like a main event guy, but like you could then prop him up to be like, I don't know, maybe like once he turns, he'll be a babyface, so like I don't know, maybe beat Theory for the belt, like mm-hmm. the U.S. belt or something, like he could be propped at like a mid card level because he technically beat Roman. Yeah, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like you said, if he wins the actual belt, he won't. It's not like he's having like a fucking historic grand. I think it'll last longer than my fucking. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, no, I not agree. Not long, though. Not long. My peacock subscri- my peacock subscription might run out for the month before he <laughs> loses that championship. <laughs> so, I don't know. I I love everything else you said. Like him going after Theory after this thing is over, becoming U.S. champion, love it. I think that'd be perfect. I just don't love the idea of him beating Roman and then just losing the championship. I just I just don't like that. But him beating Roman, I like. That's the problem. I just don't like him beating the, like beating said, him the title. If he the belt, it would make sense because he could just beat him at SummerSlam and then... Well, is it time of the month? Is it time of the month? Is that the time of the week again where I could say that Cody Rhodes should have won at WrestleMania or are we not quite there yet? Not yet. <laughs> I got to bust out the tissues. I know I'm still crying about it. But listen, it, Cody Rhodes should have won at fucking WrestleMania. Hey, but listen, whatever. Um, I'm looking forward to the match. SmackDown, it does feel like must-see for the Bloodline stuff alone. It, it was a great angle last week. Also in that segment, I know we're divided on this. I've already spoken my mind on this, but I want to get your thoughts. I don't like the new belt. I really don't. I think it looks like it's stupid. I don't like the color. Um, but you said you like it. I like the design. I know you said you like the design. I do, too. I just feel like this would have been a nice opportunity to get a new design after 10 years. I liked it. I don't know. I, like you said, I think, if anything, the color, like, I thought it looked... It looks gold at some points, but it does kind of like more mustardy yellow in other points. But I mean, I think the design—I like the design. Like, I think the big W in the middle. I don't know. I think maybe it's just because I like simple and it's mm-hmm. pretty simple. But I don't know. I feel like they've been giving these things out like fucking candy for years. They can't just change the logo like the way it looks. So I liked it. I mean, I think it looks better than fucking royal blue and red and yeah. that shit. So. Yeah, it's I mean, an improvement over the blue belt. Pick your poison there, but no, I. I, I it's an improvement over the blueberry belt and the fucking cherry belt that we had with the Universal Championship for so long. Which, by the way, I do not know still after a week, almost, what lineage this championship is carrying. The, the most comical part of all of this, regardless of the fucking color of the title, that's trivial. It says on the championship, dude. It literally says, they they went out and made a new title and wrote this on there. Undisputed champion. And as far as I know, they're still going to call him the undisputed champion. Dude, we have another fucking champion on the Raw roster. Like, what are we doing here? And here's another thing, too. I'll mention this quickly. As Actually, we kind of transition into Raw here. A great world title match on Raw. Uh, Seth freaking Rollins and Damian Priest. Really good match. Rollins wins. Probably setting up Rollins and Balor for Money in the Bank. That sounds like a fun match. Here's my problem. I just don't really care. Because Rollins has beaten Balor so often. And Balor ain't going to win. Balor ain't a threat. When was the last time he got a meaningful win over anyone? I know he beat Nakamura a couple weeks ago. Cool. I mean, the guy he, the guy lost to Edge at WrestleMania. I mean, I still... In retrospect, why the fuck did he lose to Edge? 
And I mean, seriously, like we talked about the Cody thing. What about the Edge thing? I mean, Edge has shown up for one match since then. He lost on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago. He hasn't shown up since then. Him losing to Edge made absolutely no sense. Oh, the hero goes over in the end. No one, who cares? Balor should have won. But anyway, um, they're probably doing Balor and Rollins at Money in the Bank. Okay. Um, so Rollins worked Monday's Raw. First world title match on Raw in about a year and a half. Awesome. And then the next day on NXT, Braun Breaker, actually. This came out of nowhere, and it's cool. He challenged Rollins for a world heavyweight championship matchup and for Rollins to come to NXT to accept it. Now, let me ask you this. As cool as that is, and Rollins and Breaker should be a banger of a match, do you think Roman Reigns would ever work Tuesdays? And I'll tell you right now, the answer is no. So I just makes it, I, it makes it feel like to me that Rollins, while he's a fighting champion, again, it further solidifies that the two titles are not on the same playing field. If Rollins is out here fighting a rookie from NXT and Roman Reigns would never you know, go down to that level. I mean, I think if anything, they should, what they should do is do like a video package of Rollins responding, be like, "Hey, if you want to face me, come to Raw." I mean, I don't think you should go to NXT like show up there, but I think like doing like, "Hey, if you want to face me, you got to come to Raw." I mean, I don't think you should go on to NXT honestly. So I know it's a cool boost for NXT, makes that show feel more must see, but it's it's a gain for NXT. Is it really a gain for Rollins or the? I mean, again, it's only been a couple of weeks, but already the presentation, the perception, rather, is the key word there the perception of the World Heavyweight Championship is that it's less than. I know that it is. You and I both know that. But then they're outright fucking telling you every single week it is less than the Undisputed Championship by putting Undisputed on the WWE title and then having Rollins work Braun Breaker on Tuesdays on a show that a quarter of the Raw audience actually watches. I'm actually, we've been over this before. I like NXT. I thought Tuesday's show was actually quite good. I'm still amazed, honestly, that they pull in five, 600,000 viewers a week. I just think it's a step below Rollins to be working Tuesdays. We, we make the joke, oh, Triple H doesn't work Tuesdays. Roman Reigns ain't working fucking Tuesdays. He never has, and he never will. I don't see why Rollins should either. Yeah, I don't think he will. You don't think he'll go to NXT? I mean, they made it sound like he will, so I don't know. No, I mean, like I said, maybe they do like a response thing. Like, if, yeah. like you said, I would do, hey, if you want to face me, you got to come to Raw. Like, maybe show, like, a video thing, but, like, I don't think you should actually be showing up on, on NXT. No. Maybe, like you said, it feels like lesser than or... Like, no, no thanks. Yeah, I just I just don't like that. It's cool in theory, but if we weren't dealing... If we only had one world champion, I'd be like, okay, you know, that helps. Okay, cool, whatever. But we have two titles now, and it makes that championship feel like the fucking mid-card title. So, even more so than it already does. But let's talk about the World Heavyweight title picture from Raw. Again, I thought the setup for the match on Monday was well done. It was an open challenge from Rollins that was quickly accepted by Damian Priest via a video on Twitter on Friday of last week. And they had a really good match. I think the first time ever one-on-one in WWE had a really good match. Damian looked good in defeat. Balor interfered even though Damian did not want him to. And it backfired. And Rollins won. So now they're teasing tension not only in the main storyline stable on SmackDown, but also on Raw now at the Judgment Day, specifically with Damian and Finn. So this was interesting. Your thoughts on how that whole thing played out on Monday? No, I thought it was a good match. Um, like you said, I guess Finn got involved here even though it was like the whole point of the match was to be in the back. Um, I mean, I don't know why they're really teasing tension between the Judgment Day. I mean, it seems a little silly. I mean, I know Dom and Rhea are kind of doing their own thing. Um, so maybe like these two will go at it and then eventually she'll kind of put them back in line. But um, I'm kind of against breaking them off the group for now. They work so well together, I would not 
split them up yet. It was interesting timing, too, because Monday or Tuesday specifically marked one year since... And I'll eat my words on this. One year since the Edge betrayal of uh, you know Judgment Day. They, they portrayed Edge, kicked him out. It was Balor, Rhea, and Damian. You know, I mean, I was on here a year ago, literally exactly a year ago this week, complaining about how I thought that was stupid because I liked the original incarnation with those three. And Balor, I just couldn't take seriously. Balor is far from, like, a main event guy. I know he's going to be headlining with Rollins. Not He's not going to be going on last of Money in the Bank, obviously. No, no shit. Might even open the show, actually. Um, but listen, I mean, he's actually been a lot better as a heel. Damien's improved a lot. He's really, uh, you know, he, he started out hot as a baby face. Let's not forget about that. They fucked him up there for a little while there before he joined Judgment Day. And Rhea's star has skyrocketed as well. I love this incarnation of Judgment Day. Adding in Dominic as well was the best thing they could have done. I think Judgment Day is great. I would not fix something that isn't broken. I just get the feeling, dude, that they might be headed to Damian Priest breaking out on his own, which is fine, but I just feel like Raw has enough baby faces right now where they don't really need Damian on his own as a baby face. I mean, maybe at some point, yeah, because he got over in that role originally a couple of years ago, but anytime soon, eh. And then also, I feel like they might be replacing him with J.D. McDonough, who I like a lot. I think J.D. McDonough is great, but... Damien brings the muscle to the group. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if anything, and you, I don't know, this this sounds ridiculous. If they brought in Baron Corbin, like Lone Wolf Corbin, which is, you know, ironic is Lone Wolf, then he would be in a group, I get it. If they brought in like a Dark Corbin to replace Damien, I don't I wouldn't break up Judgment Day, but I'm just saying if you needed someone to replace Damien, that might make more that might make more sense because he's a bigger guy. JD McDonough's like Four feet tall. And again, I like the guy, but he's... I mean, it, honestly, with the way you put it there, at that point, you might as well just bring Corbin and McDonough and they kick Finn and Damien out. Well, then and who then would Rhea be... The... could be like, oh, like, we're over, like, you two old bums are bringing some, some two younger guys. I mean... Maybe. But I just, I just love the... I love the... I mean, if... I wouldn't get rid of both of them. I would just get rid... I wouldn't get rid of either of them, but I wouldn't certainly get rid of both because I just feel like the chemistry that Rhea has built up with all of them. I mean, I know it's more about Rhea and Dom than it is Finn. Saying, and... At this point, it's more about Rhea and Dom than the other two. I know. I just feel like Corbin and JD McDonough, I just don't see the chemistry there. But then again, Dominic being in there, I didn't see that either. And then they just gelled so well. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Is that something you would want to see? I mean, JD McDonough joining Judgment Day is fine. Five people is teetering on overkill, but it's okay. I'd rather see that than Damien getting booted. But that's just me personally. Especially right now. Yeah, no, I think it makes sense. I mean... I know Finn had, like, they shoot, like, tease, like, Finn watching him. Um, but, I mean, I don't think we really got anything after that. But, no, I mean, I think it makes sense. I mean, if anything, you'd get rid of Finn to then add him. Like I said, I, I think Damien, either Damien needs to be there or you got to add another heavy because, that, like, that's his whole point in the group. But, I mean, I think regardless, it doesn't overly matter because, like I said, I feel like the story is Rhea and Dom. But, I mean, I also don't think they should just break up out of nowhere. Raw needs more heels. Breaking pre away would kind of kill the heel. Yeah, and they got a bunch of baby faces as it is. I know Braun Strowman just underwent surgery, so he won't be back for a while. Um, I don't know. I just feel like they could really use Damien in that role right now, and he benefits more by being with them than away from them. But again, maybe I'm wrong, and they break him away, and he gets over on his own. That's also very possible. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. Uh, maybe he's the one to be Gunther for that championship. If he breaks out on his own as a baby face, maybe Damien can be Gunther in a couple of months. Who knows? But... Speaking of Gunter, he had a great match on Monday's Raw with Kevin Owens. Now, uh, really not much to say about this because we already talked about Gunter and Matt Riddle earlier being the match for Money in the Bank or SummerSlam or whatever. 
Um, just as a match, I want to recognize how good... Like, this was one of the better... Definitely one of the best television matches I've seen on any WWE show all year. I love that triple threat with uh, AJ, Ray, and Edge back in May of last month as part of the tournament. I love that match. This is up there as well. I thought this was great stuff. Gunter winning. The crowd really thought, being in the building, that Owens was going to win. They were white hot for that finish up until Gunter won, and it was it was very well done. Um, I honestly, personally, and I'm, I'm typically one to like, oh, announce stuff in advance, blah, blah, blah. I would agree. I honestly did not mind the fact that this came together at last minute. Uh, they put it together as an impromptu match. It, I mean, it's not like a dream match. It was a first time ever match, but it's not like, oh man, they really should have saved this for a pay-per-view. Could they have? Yeah, but there's enough people Gunter hasn't faced where like him and Sammy can be saved for down the road. But Kevin Owens and Gunter, I thought was just excellent. And I want to get your thoughts on it. No, it was easily one of the best Raw matches I've had in a while. I mean, it was one of those matches that even my dad was like, middle of the match, like, oh, it's a really good match, which usually you don't even say that on Raw. So I thought this was great. I, like you said, I feel like he has so many opponents. I mean, the story makes sense. I feel like Imperium's going after Owens and Zayn. They kind of need some some wins there. Gunther teaches him respect in a way, and I thought this was a really, really good match. And I feel like Gunther was in, in control most of the match. Owens had some hope spots in there, but, I mean, when in doubt, ring general rule, so it is mm-hmm. what it is. No, an excellent match. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what they do from here with, with both guys. Owens and Zayn, I assume, are feuding with Imperium for the tag titles, and Gunter will face Riddle, so seems like a pretty logical match to do. But, uh, no, this was great. I love the fact they put it together, and uh, uh, more more of this on Raw, please. And it is worth noting. It is worth noting. i got to mention this. I, can't, I, I, I said this to you jokingly earlier. I can't just bring it up when it's convenient, but Vince was backstage at Raw this week. I mean, the sky is blue. I mean, he lives in Connecticut. No shit that he would be there. But um, apparently he did have pretty significant involvement, creative influence on this show. Listen, I got to give them credit. This was a really good show. I don't know how much he changed or what he changed exactly, but this was a really good show. So it's not like everything Vince touches turns to shit like that post-WrestleMania Raw, which sucked. Um, This was a really, really good show, I thought. And uh, he deserves credit for it. Listen, you got to praise the guy when it's good. You got to shit on him when it's bad. And this was one of those cases. Uh, One last thing from Raw, though. Dominic Mysterio and Cody Rhodes get into it on Miz TV. I thought this would lead to an impromptu match between the two on the show. It did not. So that tells me if they're not advertising it for Raw next week, that tells me they're saving this for money in the bank. And it sounds like they made a couple of jokes, but oh, Brock's hibernating for now. And the word on the street is that they're saving Brock and Cody 3 for SummerSlam. I guess I'd rather they just move on from this. But uh, thoughts on Cody and Dominic being like an attraction for money in the bank and early prediction and who goes over. Do you, do you think Brock could show up and cost Cody the win and then Dominic beats Cody? I don't know if I wouldn't do that necessarily. Um, I mean, I, I'm down. I like it. I think Dominic's really over Cody. Like I said, I I feel like I kind of knew that it was going to be him and Brock at SummerSlam, so I'm not too surprised, but I like the direction they're going and with this being next. So, I mean, I feel like Cody should win. I mean, Dom winning here would be huge, but I don't know. Like, is Brock going to... Why would Brock cost Cody? Like, he just beat him. Yeah, like, who I gives mean, a shit, yeah. doesn't really make much sense, so I would have Cody win here, and then, and then we lead to Brock and... And, and Brock and Cody. Cody. Cody losing a third match on pay-per-view in, in, out of four in the last couple of months might lend a bit more credence to your dad's complaint about Cody being buried. I'm not going to say he's been being buried, but another loss isn't... Eh, I, don't, I don't know about that. 
Yeah, exactly. I would have Cody win. But uh, a very good show on Monday. I thought Dynamite also on Wednesday was a very good show as well. Uh, a couple things from that show. They did announce last weekend two matches, dream matches, made official for Forbidden Door later this month. Um, they got the two video package treatments on Wednesday's Dynamite. No real build for Forbidden Door otherwise. But listen, it's a show that it's it's not a so much about storyline stuff. They just like to put together matches that are the internet's going to love or matches that'll just be great. I really like last year's show gives you a chance to kind of get familiar with more new Japan talent. Like last year, we talked about this last year, like Ishii, you didn't know too much about, and he was supposed to be on the show. Then he wasn't, but you know, like people like that, that you may not ordinarily say, um, we're getting that again this year in the form of two major matches made official. Kenny Omega defending the IWGP us heavyweight championship against Will Ospreay in a rematch from wrestle kingdom earlier this year. And then you also have Brian Danielson taking on Kestuka Okada for the first, and maybe not for the first time ever, but for the first time ever on pay-per-view, I'll tell you that much, um, in what a lot of people are calling a dream match, and understandably so. Does this interest you at all? I know you're not the biggest New Japan guy, like this sort of stuff, dream match fan, whatever. Um, to me, this sounds great, specifically Danielson and Okada. That sounds like it could be awesome. It doesn't really have a lot to do with anything. It's just a match that just sounds fucking cool on paper. Do you care? Are you looking forward to either match? Or what are your thoughts on these? I mean, I'll watch the show. I'm not, like, overly interested. I mean, they were shoving a cut down my throat last year, and he was in that four-way that was so forgettable. Mm -hmm. I mean, Danielson, what he's doing now is, I mean, I think it's probably one of the... Some of his worst work he's done in AEW, so it's not, like, overly exciting. But, I mean, I know White... Or not White, what's his face? Osprey and, and Kenny will probably be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like I said, it doesn't really build any storylines. I mean, I know last year when they did kind of like bring in some more to New Japan guys to build up the show, I feel like Dynamite, those are like the worst Dynamites we had. So we'll see. But I feel like they just literally passed over the WrestleMania just to get ready for this Forbidden Door show that really doesn't have any storyline implications. It's more just like. Like you said, like a dream show, if anything. Honestly, I'll tell you this much. I'm looking forward more to this show already, based on those two matches alone, than I was for anything on the Double or Nothing card. And that wasn't a bad show. We talked about it, but it was one of the weakest shows they've ever done on pay-per-view. Not to say that it was bad, but just like, even the booking I didn't even mind, but like the actual matches, I feel like I've seen a lot of that sort of stuff before with the overbooking and the shenanigans and the nonsense. And it just, it was hard to care, honestly. It was, it was, I enjoyed the show. I told you that, but it just, it was a very weak show. Um, This already isn't storyline significant necessarily, but it already sounds sexy on paper. And I don't know if they're going to have any New Japan people on Dynamite before the pay-per-view. Good, bad, or indifferent, I'm not sure if they're going to be doing that again. We have two Dynamites left, really. We have, I know they have New Japan shows and opportunities to build up the show as well on their end, but for AEW, they have next week's Dynamite, the week after that, and I think that's it, because I think the show's on the 25th, so they really got to put together the rest of the card. They don't even really necessarily... I mean, they're going to announce more matches, obviously. These two matches will sell people on the show. But I also don't want to wait until the final Wednesday before the pay-per-view, and then they announce eight more matches. It's like, they do this shit all the fucking time. Like, space it out better. I don't understand why they do that. It's so annoying. WWE has done that in the past a lot as well. Not as much lately, but AEW has been very guilty of it for the last couple of months. Uh, I am looking forward to that, though. I mentioned this earlier. The first main event for Collision also announced. CM Punk and FTR in Chicago in the main event of the show taking on Jay White, Juice Robinson of Bullet Club Gold, and Samoa Joe. So we heard rumors of Punk wanting to work with Joe. I saw a report recently that Punk was high on Jay White, wanted to work with him, and now he's getting his wish. So he's not only working with two people that he wants to work with, 
He's headlining a new show that's basically going to be his show in the fucking main event in Chicago with the two people that the maybe not the only I don't want to say the only people. His two biggest advocates in AW and FDR. I mean, this match makes from a storyline standpoint no sense. Like, there's really no reason for it. It's an attraction. But it's just, I said to you earlier, before we hit record here, it is, and I love punk. I'm a punk guy. You know that. I always have been. It's comical, like, how much this reeks of, like, we're just giving this guy anything that he wants in a desperate attempt to keep him around and keep him happy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I thought, I mean, this is going to be cool, I think. I mean, there's really no storyline there. Just like, oh, there's a six, here's a trios match. Like I said, it's, it's, he wanted to work with Joe. I guess he wants to work with Jay White, FTR, like his best friends in AEW. Makes sense, yada, yada, yada. But I don't know. I just, the whole thing that this show just still boggles my mind. You're literally making a new show so you can, like, hang around and not have to be on Dynamite with the Bucks and them. Like, I don't know, just stupid. I, I don't know. I don't really get the whole thing. But, I mean, we'll see. I think it'll be a good match. Like, I'm down, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like a good match, and it could lead into... Uh, I- I'm looking forward to it. It sounds sexy on paper. Like I said, Punk and White, I'm looking forward to at some point. Punk and Joe running that back. I love that idea. Um, it would have been nice, like we said earlier, to do a singles match. I feel like that just would have made more sense. Um, that would have been a bigger attraction. And you don't even have to Punk win. Punk can lose, but... I don't know. It's very strange. Um, you know, we'll see what they have in store. I will be watching, and hopefully the show can stay relevant, remain relevant, and not just quickly fall into the Rampage formula of just becoming another two-hour show that means nothing. Uh, we did find out on Dynamite, MJF's next rival, maybe, for the AEW World Championship is Adam Cole. Um, they're doing the match next week on the show. It's an eliminator, though. So if Cole wins, he will get a title shot. If he doesn't, that's it, at least for now. Uh, I, I, I wasn't watching the show live, so I didn't see the immediate reaction to this segment. I'll get your thoughts on it. I actually love this segment. I really did. I know there was a lot of insider shit and whatever. I understand that. But, I mean, first of all, MJF completely fucking eviscerated this guy in the mic. And, and Cole got a couple good liners in there. Oh, your fiance left you. Okay, cool. But, like, MJF really hit it deep. Like, oh, this company's done everything to make you special. And blah, blah, blah. You don't feel special. A lot of real criticisms of Cole since coming to AEW. We've we've talked about it. I know this has been an issue of Cole from you as well. His physique has been brought up a lot. He's a smaller guy. Um, I didn't, I've never heard the criticism of MJF juicing or whatever, being on roids. I've never heard of that. I mean, maybe I just have missed it. I just haven't heard that at all. Um, but I love the callback to the carrying cross promo that, that Cole cut on cross a couple of years ago, almost exactly two years ago. They brought that back here or the MJF doing it on Cole. I thought that was excellent. Uh, what were your thoughts in the segment? Do you have any issues with it or did you like it as much as I did? Oh, um, I thought it was good. I will say, I feel like MJF needs to like chill out with the inside baseball stuff. I feel like obviously like we understand some stuff, but like a casual person watching would have no idea what the fuck he was talking about. He's like, Oh, it's Keith Lee's manager. Like, unless you're not plugged in, you'd have no idea what's going that, on. That one I would agree with. Yeah. The other stuff though, I thought he did a good job of explaining. I will say, I feel like when he was like, this company's literally built you up and you've literally done nothing. I mean, I feel like that's like the biggest truth it's true. I've heard in a while. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, I like Adam Cole, but I feel like his run's been meh at best. And like I said, like, he just like, I don't know. Like, I, I honestly feel like I don't want to like rip on the guy. Like, he, I feel like there has to be like a health problem. His physique is just, the transformation is just kind of mind boggling, honestly. I just don't, I like. I don't, I, I like, I think it's to the point, like, I think, like, it's, he, it's either, like, he gave up or, like, he has to have something wrong, like, 
it's like a huge like and people will be like oh it's not that big of a deal I just I don't understand like how that happened but mm-hmm. I mean I feel like his run has been pretty underwhelming I mean the whole Orange Cassidy thing he got hurt he came back did Jericho okay whatever I guess we'll get him and MGF here like I said I feel like MGF picked him apart but it doesn't really totally shock me I mean oh like you're on juice like I mean, I, I guess, is that good? I guess that's a good comeback. <laughs> I don't know. That guy's fucking ripped out of his mind. I don't know. At least he works out. I, I, I really don't know. So, I guess this we're getting next. At least it's an eliminator. So, I mean, I don't see MJF losing. So, I guess we'll just, this is what we're going to get in the interim. Or is Cole going to beat him? I really don't know. So, I, I thought it was okay. Like I said, I feel like MJF, his promos are good. But, like, he brings up too much insight. But he talks about high school a lot, too, which I don't love. Like, oh, back in my day. Like, I did that. Like, okay. Dude, I don't need to hear that every week. So, I think he was good on the mic, but just chill with the inside baseball and try to keep things in the present. He's like a big storyteller, but it's like goes back to things. It's like, how many times are you going to talk about it? I agree, but I will say I thought this worked, though, because it reminded me of the punk stuff. Because it sounds like it's all true. Like, especially when he said, like, oh, and when punk gave up on <laughs> whatever he said about punk, that was funny. And then he said, yeah, I started watching Ring of Honor and I became a big fan of you. I, I, I believed all of that. And if it's not true, I still believe it because it sound, he sounds convincing enough. I like I actually like that sort of stuff because it sounds like it's, it's a real story. And again, like, it's true. The, the, the physique stuff, like I said, doesn't really bother me. I can understand why you would have an issue with it or I, because I'm, you're not wrong. I'm not going to say he's in as good of shape or better than the shape that he was in in NXT. Doesn't really bother me personally. I was just thinking more about what you said about how, you know, they, they made him out to be special and he had this. He was right, dude. Like he said that he went to Florida the next day. Shawn Michaels, top guy, had an amazing run as world champion, arguably the best NXT champion they ever had over there when NXT was at its peak. And so it's not like, oh, it's you know, he's the NXT champion now for a year, like Braun Breaker, and he's beating like fucking developmental people. No, he was champion at the at the time when NXT was at its hottest. And then, like, he comes over and there's no buzz. Or there's buzz, but it's like it dies out, or he just gets overshadowed, or he doesn't live up to the hype or whatever. I can understand all of that, so. I'm glad he actually brought that up, because it's not wrong. But I don't think it, like, buries Cole either. He did bury him in that promo, but it's not like I can't look at Cole the same way ever again. I mean, a lot of those criticisms are accurate. And if they really want to prove that stuff wrong, then he needs to live up to the hype. The Jericho stuff I liked, the matches weren't... The the match at Double or Nothing wasn't great. But speaking of that, though, I, I do worry. Do you think they're doing the match next week? Because Jericho, who was not on the show, conspicuous by his absence, and I say that because he's on every fucking show. He never takes time off, really. Like, he took a, a, a month or two off a few years ago. Beyond that, he's always on the show. I feel like Jericho might cost Cole the win and continue their feud. I really hope I'm wrong on that, though. Please, no. <laughs> he's already beat him twice. Well, Jericho I, has to get the win at the end, so... I saw a few people say that. I'm thinking, I really fucking hope not. That sounds terrible. Yeah, I'm out on that. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. I'd rather, I know you say I, you don't want MJF to lose. I agree. I'd rather Cole win. I mean, maybe maybe MJF cheats to, I, I don't know. I just, if, if someone's going to cost Cole to win, it better not be Chris Jericho. And then you can go back to MJF and Cole down the road, but. I, why? Like, another match? I'm not even, I don't want to complain about something that hasn't happened yet, and there's no indication that will happen. I just have a bad feeling that I've seen people say that, and it put the thought in my mind that I'm thinking, God, no. That sounds terrible. Um, but like I said, I liked, I, I, I did like the show on the whole, though. I like what they're doing with uh, Takeshka and, and, and Don Callis. I like that whole thing. Um, 
Orange Cassidy and Swerve, I thought, had an excellent match. I really thought this would have been where Swerve won the championship, and he lost again. Um, and they're keeping the belt on Cassidy, and he has a great thing going. I know you don't agree, and I understand, but Cassidy's like really, really over right now, and he's having great matches. I just would not have had Swerve lose again, and now we're getting an eight-man tag team match next week with Keith and Swerve on opposite teams for the millionth fucking time. Can we please wrap this up? No, I thought it was a good match. I honestly thought Swerve was going to win, and then he lost by a roll-up. So, um, I mean, I'm, I, I only reason I really, really watched this was Swerve was in it. Kind of literally over pockets at this point. Um, but you know what, here we'll get Mogul affiliates and Sting, Darby, and Keith Lee and pockets against Mogul affiliates next week, I guess. Oh, well. Now, we had a good main event on the show, Jay White and Ricky Starks. I liked the match. Uh, when they said that FTR and Juice Robinson were banned from ringside, you knew someone was coming out to help Jay White win. And that's exactly what happened. Although it wasn't the... There wasn't a name I was expecting. But, I mean, when they announced Joe for that collision main event, I'm thinking, oh, maybe he'll help Jay White and to establish, uh, and establish an alliance before the show. Or he's the third member of Bullet Club Gold. I don't know if Joe wants anything to do with that shit. But I'm thinking, you know, maybe. It ends up being... The guns. I have never seen, at least in recent memory, more opportunities given to a team. And I'm not even going to say they're bad. I agree with what you've said in the past. They have improved. I, I will give you that. They have improved. But people still don't care. This made for such a lame ending that people didn't give a shit about. To me, it overshadowed the match. It ended a show on a flat note. The guns just, they're not over. They've tried with them on their own. They tried with them as tag team champions. They tried with them in the firm. They tried with them with their dad. And it just, it's just, they're not over. Um, I just, I, this Bullet Club gold crap, I was already just not a fan of, because it's like, who cares about the Bullet Club in 2023? Adding the guns in there just makes it a job faction. I mean, maybe they'll just be in there to take the loss to people when Jay White won't lose, but I was not a fan of this at all. Yeah, I mean, I like the guns. I agree. I mean, I, I have two eyes in four, technically, and I have my glasses on, but... Um... <laughs> I like them. I just, I mean, it's, you just got to, re- I mean, like I said, I have four eyes at this point. I think Tony does too. I mean, they're just not working. Like I said, they put them with their dad, didn't really work. Put them on their own, didn't really work. Put them with the firm. I mean, that's like putting me you, me and you in the firm. I don't think we would have got over either, but, uh, so that didn't work. Put the belts on them, didn't work. Like, I, I, I guess it's like, if you're not going to, if you're going to keep trying and you don't want, like. If they're really dead set on trying to make them a thing, I, I I guess. But like they're honestly in the pool, they're like in QT status right now. Like no one cares. You can put them with all these different people. I don't think people will care. I mean, I guess like if they're gonna put them with this Bullet Club Gold. I mean, I like Jay White. I, I like Juice. I mean, I guess you gotta start somewhere. But like, I just don't see it really working. But. I guess if you're really dead set on trying to get these guys over, hopefully if you actually push White to be, like, a top guy and she was, like, in the middle, fine. But they're not even really being pushed like that. So mm-hmm. why are you going to put them with them when they're not even over? It's like, I feel like you should have waited till like, White and Robinson kind of were more established and kind of seen at a higher level. Mm-hmm. When you put them that with them now, it's like they're kind of like a mid-card heel group at this point. They're, like, a step above the fucking factory. Or whatever the fuck QT was doing. So <laughs> QTV we'll now. Yeah. I like Jay White a lot. I really like Juice as well. I just don't think they're really putting enough uh, stock or whatever you want to put. It. Like they just keep going back to the Bullet Club. Well, but like, why should we? Pe- like, I think Jay White's a star. Like people tell me he's a star. I think he's great. I think he can be 
a main event guy, but they haven't really told me on the television why I should think that. If you don't watch New Japan, no one would really think that. But, I mean, he won here, I guess. I think he should have beat Starks clean, or and we can move on and like kind of give him a big win. But winning here with a flunky team that no one cares about doesn't really do him too much favors. And that's exactly my issue. I feel like this does to benefit, maybe, benefit more of the guns than it does to help... I feel like it drags down G. White and Juice Robinson more than it benefits the guns, and that that's that's the problem. I, I, I really don't care about the guns regardless, but like you said, they're not main event players yet, are Juice, and especially J. White. J. White should be. Um, it just He just feels like a mid-card act right now, and I understand there's only so many spots, they have such a stacked roster. Maybe this was their plan from the get-go when they signed J. White. I mean, WWE has the same issue, but I hate when they fucking sign people and they have no plans for these people, and then they just don't do anything, especially... Again, if it's like Joe Schmo, like, okay, who gives a shit? Or some unknown guy, okay, whatever. But if it's someone with the caliber of Jay White, who can and should be a top star in this company, that has really not done anything to make you think that he is in AEW, then it doesn't do any, any favor. So maybe the Punk stuff will change that. Maybe he'll be a top star on Collision, working with Punk. Hey, listen, that that's a top program right there. I can get excited about CM Punk versus Jay White for the promos and the matches as well. If that's what helps put Jay White on the map in AEW, then great. But time will tell, and I don't know if this accomplished that, but at least he won. Uh, I like Ricky Starks, but someone had to lose here. And of the two, I think Jay White should be winning over Ricky Starks, in my personal opinion. Um, but that's going to do it, Mr. Marceau, for WrestleRant Radio here today, June 8th, 2023. Like I said before, we got a couple of weeks of uh, not a lot going on. I mean, I guess in two weeks, we got Forbidden Door predictions, and then the week after that is... Money in the Bank, Breakdown, Predictions, and stuff like that as well. Uh, next week, not a whole lot going on, so we'll see what's going on in the world of wrestling. Thankfully, we did have an eventful week this week with matches being made official. Money in the Bank updates, Bloodline drama, passing of a WWE legend. Not exactly something I want to be talking about, but pretty exciting week in wrestling. Hopefully next week we can carry that on. New WrestleRant Radio episodes every single week on Thursdays. WrestleRant.com WrestleRantRadio.com iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Podbean. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Um, have a great one, Mr. Marcel. I'll catch up with you next week. See you later, man. Adios. Adios.